Hey guys, it's Edge Martinez. They call me the voice of New York. And 50 years ago, hip hop started right here in New York City. And we're celebrating the five boroughs all year long. Check out nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop for cultural stories, events, interviews, and more. nyctourism.com forward slash hip hop. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning, everyone. How we doing? This is Tyler Dunn here with Jim Monas at the Go Long Podcast, episode number four, Jim. We are live at Beautiful Hamburg Brewing Company again. How have you been? Do you have a great good Christmas? Christmas is great. We're on New Year's Eve. We're starting off with a little Louis IPA, which you promoted as possibly your favorite beer. And this is my first time having Louis. And I recommend it for breakfast at any time of day, like most of the beers we drink. <laughs> it's a great way to kick off New Year's Eve. we got to make sure we pace ourselves today. Uh, definitely have a long day and night ahead of us, but what better way to start it off? It is. It's smooth. You know, I know Hayburner gets a lot of love in Western New York, but I've been the first to say, I think Louis IPA here in Hamburg is number one. Um, it's got a little bit more punch, a little bite. Still smooth, though. And that's how you have to start your mornings off to me. I need a little bite. I, I had my coffee already, yeah. but now I'm ready to take it to that next level. Definitely. I like it. I like it. Well, man, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, week 17, ripe with playoff implications, Jim. I mean, everywhere you look, there's teams fighting for their lives. The Browns can't even show up at their building because people are getting COVID. The Steelers and the Bills, are they resting starters? Who are they resting? An extra playoff team in each conference. Um, I don't know if you heard, Roger Goodell, he's going to personally go to each team's headquarters and, and hand out a trophy, throw a pizza party, pat them on the butt, because that's where we're going in the NFL. Everybody gets in the playoffs, Jim. It's not a meritocracy anymore. It, it's watered down a little bit, and it feels that way. Especially, you know, there's a saying goes, you know, you have a must-win to get in the playoffs you're probably not a playoff team. <laughs> That's the best way to put it, isn't we it? We used to talk about, and this happened with any team I worked for, but it could be week 10. If you're an 8-8 eight and eight type team, that week 10, you're looking at things like, hey, you know, 5-5 five five right now. If we win out, you know, we control our own. We can, like, when you start saying stuff like that, week 10, week 11, if we win out, we control our, like, you're not a good team. Is there a worse expression in sports than control control our own destiny? It's I just, just want to gag every time I hear that. It makes you cringe because if that's the case, why are you five and five? Why are you six and five? Win some games. We all that. control our destiny we in life. Control it. Right? We're not. We're. You're just. You are that old saying too. You are what your record says. Yeah. You are. It pretty much is true. Like don't overthink it. We're six and five or five and six for a reason. We don't control our own destiny. If we did, we'd be eleven and zero. 
I'd love it if a coach just stood at the podium and said, we don't control our destiny. Everyone in this building is doomed to eternal hell. Well, that's the press conferences we all wish we could hear. <laughs> we don't ever get – it's like draft press conferences every year. You start every every after every draft, right? Every GM says, we couldn't believe that guy was on the board. <laughs> he was the highest guy on the board. I mean, we can cliche it all the way through a press conference. Did hey, you ever say that? Oh, I, mean, I you, did. You came out for some press conferences. I did, and I said, I said I'll tell you right now, he's the highest guy on our board. <laughs> and Because I always wanted to say that as a scout in the press conference. To say, <laughs> I want, yeah, I just want to be cliche too. Hey, he was the highest guy. I, we don't have to – we don't overthink it. Because, you know, people are like, well, your board might be messed up then if he was the highest guy. He's the highest guy. It would be great if somebody just trotted out there. You could cliche. Son of a bitch. I can't believe that we were stuck with this player. This sucks. Hey. Did you ever want to say that after you took somebody? Well, yes. You can say who. It's all right. Well, there was a – there was some there were some interesting things that happened in draft, especially with um, when you have new staffs and – the rec staff came in, and we took a linebacker from Clemson um, that we really, uh, Tony Stewart, yeah. that, you know, obviously Rex had a little passion for Clemson. His son was playing there at the time, and um, and Tony was a good football player, but there were some medical concerns with Tony, and, and, you know, there was our staff, our medical staff was a little concerned about drafting him. Hey, we, this guy might be a little bit best as a free agent. You know, this is high risk. He was sixth round. But, right, you know, it's one of those where, nope, let's take this guy. And the medical stuff popped up. And yep. it's things like that that you need to eliminate, and the Bills have done that. When you have everybody synced up as the training staff, the head coach, the GM, who's making the call, that needs to be, like Tony Stewart, that shouldn't have been an option for us. Right. That should have been, he should have been off the board. Hey, we're going to take him undrafted. Now, Des Lewis was a guy we took in the seventh round. you got to tell this story, Jim. And, this is the guy that we were all salivating for was Lyle Collins from LSU that year. And about a week before the draft, I had to look to see, it might have been two, where he was being investigated for a possible murder. Now, we had no information that said nobody could find anything that he was really linked to this thing. Um, you know, you do all your homework. But, you know, the bullets had just taken over. We have a new staff, and, and we're sitting there with the blue. I and mean, we have him, you know, highest guy on the board. He was up there in the first round. Every team had him in the first round. It wasn't some great scouting job. That was a legit football player and has proven to be. But the whole NFL was just, we can't do this. Like, how do you draft him? And two weeks later, he may be convicted. We just didn't know enough about it. So we don't draft him. We took Dez Lewis, shot on a big wide out, seventh round. Didn't work out. Um, but after that draft, we took, Rex flew down to uh, Baton Rouge, and we recruited – we did our best to get Lyle Collins. And he made his choice for whatever reasons to go to Dallas. And great choice for him. But he would have been a plug-and-play starter right there. You know, those things – those are the stories that you, you just think back on. Wow, what if we would have got Collins in that draft too? And that was a – I mean, tackle spot was a sore spot. You kind of were cycling Jordan Mills through there, Chantrell Henderson. Chantrell, yeah, all those guys were roller coasters. That's why their careers are roller coasters. It, it's like when you start bouncing around, there's a reason guys bounce around. And you always hope that maybe he'll change for us. Maybe this change of scenery will be good for us. But none of those guys really can ever get it right. So – I don't know, this is just so fast, man. We'll get into the, these yeah. games and, and the playoff picture and all that. But real quick on Collins, like, 
what is that process really like, Chip? So, like, here's here's a guy. I mean, I can't imagine sitting in your draft meetings and he's a first-round talent. You know he could start right away. You know he could be somebody who starts a decade for you at a, at a premium position in football. And he's sitting there, sixth round, seventh round. Like, what kind of investigative work did you guys put into getting the truth? Or is it a non-starter? It's like, we just, we can't even consider this because he's even mentioned. And it turned out to be completely erroneous, right? I mean, and that, that's probably popped up so late in this process that, that's where your scouts really come into area scouts come into play. And luckily we did have great area scouts down in that region that were, they were tied in. You couldn't find, there was no, there was nothing substantial to say, Hey, don't take them. But at the same time, you're like, well, what if we take, like, how's that looked at? We take this guy. We just totally, you know, there's part of me that you sit back and say, Hey, let's roll the dice. It's a seven. So your area scouts are telling you everybody like, oh, got nothing because they're talking to friends and police and professors and I mean they're doing everything now speaking of that that's when you get your security team involved too which you know you have your security guys do the best they can do to get inside on some you know with the police down that way to say hey what is this like is this real do we need to be concerned if we draft this guy if they could link it he would have been I mean that's what I'm saying but is it worth the risk in the seventh round? I don't even remember how that was like resolved or why he, his name was even mentioned in it. I, I would just be details guessing. are slipping my mind right now. Yeah. Other than he was totally innocent. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, it just reminds me, you know, much smaller. I mean, it's still pretty terrible. Like, remember Corey McIntyre? That would have been a little before your time. The Bills fullback. He was not before and, my time. Oh, that, I'm going to tell you, you signed Corey McIntyre to the NFL. I did to the Philadelphia Eagles. Get out of here. I was the area scout in the Northeast Scout in West Virginia. He was a that poor guy. Tough middle linebacker, right? He I think he was a fullback, right? No. We converted him. You converted him. Because he was just he was just straight ahead blow you up as a linebacker. So after his pro day in Morgantown, we sit there, let's see if he can catch. Well he had great hands. He was not a good athlete at all. He was so tough, he could run straight ahead and just blow you up. We're like, well, this is back when pullbacks still mattered a little bit, and we Pro, signed pullback him. friendly show. Yeah, I love that. You did your article, and you, it's it's still available. I mean, it's still out there. The pullbacks are still somewhat relevant. The Forty Niners too. They still like it. Anyway, Coach Reed, we brought in two really good pullbacks after the draft. One, Jason McKee, I signed from Temple, and Corey from West Virginia, converted them. They both ended up. Jason, I believe, made our roster, and Corey made practice squad, but it sparked his whole and you found him well i don't i mean he was he was known to area scouts for sure yeah we took the chance on him I, other people knew about but we he signed with us and we took the chance to get him and it was really it, i remember we were just like man we just got two good pullbacks after the draft and Corey made a career out of it like he really did a hell of a job special teams too yeah but i mean do you remember oh, what yes. happened Go ahead. here in buffalo you, like oh my, i wish we well, would have talked about this beforehand because i don't want to butcher the details but he was accused of was it masturbating outside of somebody's window. And that's where we probably need a little more detail. But Yeah. It was really, really bad what he was accused of. And he was completely innocent. It wasn't him. And did it affect his career, do you think? I think it did. I'm, I'm pulling it up right now. Because like, that's what's so scary when you think about some of these things. I mean, you see it all the time, I guess, real world guys being in prison for you know wrongly accused 
and it sticks with you for some reason, even if, even if it's not true. <laughs> so, sorry, sorry, well, I just you know just looked it up here. What's the first article that comes up? This is an NBCMiami.com story. The headline: down there. Free Willy, Bills player, clear of masturbation charges. There's a headline for you, Jim. Corey, Corey probably wants to put that. It's probably not on his wall. Probably headlines. not. Um, Call it a case of mistaken identity, but for Bills fullback Corey McIntyre, his March arrest in Florida is nothing short of embarrassing. Authorities dropped the misdemeanor exposure charge. Yeah, wasn't him. Misidentified. And now this poor guy, you type in his name, and that's the first thing that pops up all the time. Like, I can't believe that. Well, this is leading. This goes to Aaron Hernandez. It always goes back to Aaron Hernandez where Lyle Collins, you know, are we drafting Aaron Hernandez if we take this guy? Mm-hmm. Now, the difference was, wow, Colin, there was no, there's nobody at the school, nobody around that thought he was any type of threat to anybody. Whereas Aaron Hernandez in Florida was, you bring his name up, people will tell you that how much he loved football, how much he loved working for football, but then you get to the off the field stuff and it was mouth shut. Like you knew he was living a hard life. You knew there was concerns. You knew if you were going to take this guy, he should have been a first-round pick as well. And you knew if you were taking him, there was a huge risk. And I was with the Saints and the Aries scout of Florida at the time. And, of course, everybody loved him. Coach Payton loves him. Those are toys to tight ends or weapons. And we couldn't – Coach Payton tried to get a hold of Urban Meyer, couldn't reach him. This is on, like, two days before – I mean, we tried and tried just to hit every single person we could to sign off. You just couldn't get anybody to sign off on Aaron Hernandez. So Coach Payton was also in love with another guy that I was Perry scout for was Jimmy Grant. So we wanted to take Hernandez but couldn't get anybody really feel good about signing off on him, so we took Jimmy Grant. And it was really a credit to Coach Payton. I will give him so much credit on that. He had the vision for Jimmy Graham, who was a one-year football player, played basketball at Miami, comes and plays football. He looked like a robot out there his first year playing at Miami. Stiff on routes, <laughs> would catch some, not catch some, blocking, one to no part of, still really doesn't. <laughs> but Coach Payton saw the vision, like, hey, he's going to be a mismatch for every team. And, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if we would have taken Hernandez and Graham, just like the Patriots had Hernandez wow. and, and Gronk. But, um, yeah, that goes to show you. And, and the Patriots, they maxed out Hernandez, and then, unfortunately, it went the way it went. But that guy was – he lived a hard life. Now you watch all the documentaries, it's like, that is just incredible. He made it as long as he did. It is. I mean, that's if, if people haven't watched that documentary on Netflix, actually one of my buddies, Dan Wetzel at Yahoo, um, helped produce it. It's unbelievable. I mean, the detail in that doc, and it's I, – I guess what I'm getting at, too, like, so, you know, in the media, you know, when I'm doing stories on these draft prospects, I'm trying to, at a much smaller scale, you know, get to know these, these players as people, and, you know, you're talking to coaches and teammates and friends and – you know, you're not going to have a coach just sit there and broadcast to the world before a draft like he is a bad egg. Like there is concern, but I mean, behind so at, in your job, you're more behind the scenes. It's not as public. And Urban Meyer still isn't like isn't Urban Meyer a, a little at fault? He had to know the people that Aaron Hernandez was hanging around with. He had to know a little substance there that this this isn't just a bad egg. There's there's something really really off here. I mean, these college coaches are like second fathers to a lot of these players. I don't know, maybe I'm taking a leap here, but like, didn't 
shouldn't he know more? Shouldn't he have said more instead of just be quiet? Do you guys? I respect it's hard to say that you want a coach to sell out a player. And, and that might be too harsh a word to say, sell them out. But these guys go and, and they're doing everything they can to win games for this coach. So that coach has to have a soft spot for them. As far True. as, hey, I'm, they do everything I ask. I'm not going to sit there and try to – I want them to further their careers and make money. Like, they're not making money in college. The best 30 for 30 that ESPN could ever do would be those Florida years. Okay. I don't know if they ever want to dive into that. Whoever would get into that, it would be fascinating because it wasn't just Hernandez that had an incredible story, you know, as far as scary background on that team. And it's what, you know, ultimately I think drove Urban out of Florida. But um, he, that team was just not in, just incredibly talented. It was incredibly it – yeah. took, it took me more time as a scout typing up all their background and character information than their, what they were as players. These stories were just mind-blowing. I'm talking – it was McDonald, Ray McDonald. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it was uh, Brandon Spikes who we had in Buffalo. I mean, Rick Saddle, Percy Harvin. Yeah, I mean, these guys, they they, they had some, they lived, they lived a hard, you know, hard, rainy, Chris Rainey, a running back, I think got in some trouble. Riley Cooper was on those teams. Lewis Murphy was on those teams, receivers. That, I know Tim Tebow, I mean. So, whew. my favorite thing with Aaron Hernandez at the pro day, um, he runs a little corner route. And I was standing kind of on the sideline, and Tebow overthrows it. And I was standing, you know, on the, where the ball was kind of bouncing, and Hernandez was just running to go get it. And, you know, I just looked at him. I said, I just put my hand up. He just rolled his eye. He goes, I'm used to it. And that's what Hernandez said. I was like, yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, it wasn't – there wasn't there wasn't always Tebow worship uh, by everybody. You should have run a better route, I think, there. I think that's on Hernandez. On air. Yeah. At a pro day. Yeah. That's Tebow's overthrowing it. I love Tim Tebow. God, I love Tim Tebow. You know, that, that 2011 season, I mean, that was insane what he did. He would play terribly. I mean, he couldn't complete a pass for three quarters, three and a half quarters. The defense, the kicking game would keep Denver in the game, and he would just find a way to win. I mean, and again and again and again. It was, it was remarkable to watch. Like, I remember covering the Packers at the time. It was my first year on the beat in 2011. And there was a game, I think they were playing the Raiders. I mean, the Packers are undefeated at this point. They're going for 16-0 and late in, late in the year. And uh, everybody in the press box, at one point, I, I'll never forget, I, it was like the, the main 4 o'clock game, too, I believe. If not, it, a lot of people were watching it. Every reporter, every media member left their seat to go cram themselves in the back part of the press box to watch Tim Tebow against, I believe it was Chicago that week, have one of his comebacks. I mean, it was, it was unbelievable. Give me Tim Tebow as my starting quarterback, Jim. Oh. Adam Gase. Build a winner. Adam Gase was uh, his quarterback coach, I believe, in Denver. Mm-hmm. don't think he was the OC, but I have to check that. McCoy might have been the OC. Yeah, so Gase was quarterback yeah. coach. And we were able to hang out with Gase a little bit at the Senior Bowl that year because his, uh, Gase's father-in-law, Joe Vitt, was an assistant coach for the Saints. So we were all just sitting in the stands, everybody BSing. Adam Gase was telling us stories about Tebow. That were just awesome. I'm talking about. He's not sure how they won games with Tim Tebow. Basically, <laughs> is the best way I could sum it up. And I think that really helped Gase's career. Yeah, because I think everybody was like, "How did you win with him?" Not that not that he wasn't obviously he was a great competitor and all that, but he can't throw. Like, how are you winning NFL games with a quarterback that can't throw? 
Well, here's a little plot twist for you, a little spin zone action. Maybe Tim Tebow, if he has a better quarterbacks coach, becomes an all-pro because we see what Ryan Tannehill's done post-Adam Gaze, what Sam Darnold could do post-Adam Maybe, And then, you know, then Tim Tebow, he's, he's with Rex Ryan. He screws him up. I'm just, I'm, this is a real stretch. I, I, I totally agree with you. He had difficulties throwing the football gym. You know, we always look, you never want your quarterback to look like a bodybuilder. Brady Quinn, yeah. Tim Tebow, these guys were like bodybuilders. And you don't need to be a bodybuilder as a quarterback. Like Drew Brees is extremely fit. You know, you look at uh, Josh Allen, he's not jacked up. The guy is Patrick Mahomes, he's not jacked Patrick up. Mahomes. Bad body. Bad body. Bad walk. He's got a bad body. No doubt. To the extreme, I mean, at Texas Tech, his teammates just made fun of him all the time. They called him fat. They said, go eat another cheeseburger. I mean, he got himself into shape a little. He didn't work that hard behind the scenes, but they're not paid. It. They're not paid for the muscles. Gets out of fielding, throw it, you know, country mile. That's it. Which leads us. That didn't Let's take long it. for Mahomes talk. Yeah, take, I know. This it. was a little longer than usual. But are we getting an MVP talk? Let's do it because, I mean, I threw up a uh, our first discussion thread at Go Long. Which, if you're a subscriber, thank you so much for interacting on there. It was awesome. Just a ton of comments. Some opinions all over the place. You know, is it Patrick Mahomes? Is it Aaron Rodgers? There's a little love for Josh Allen and uh, a touch of love for Derrick Henry in there from Connor Orr, my former Syracuse classmate. Um, I'm still going Mahomes, Jim. I just feel like, you know, it's it's the eyeball test. I know, you know, his numbers are incredible. Aaron Rodgers' numbers are obviously incredible. Trying to watch as much Chiefs and as much Packers as I can this year. It's just like a feeling, I don't know, like, the game could be getting away from the Chiefs. It seems like they're going to lose, and he just turns it on. There's just something magical about Patrick Mahomes that I feel like we see again and again and again. And I know he wasn't that great last week against you know a bad Atlanta team, but they're they're going to be they're 14 and one. They're going to rest him this week, so basically a 15 and one season. Um, the comebacks, the plays he makes that other quarterbacks don't even attempt. I think the question we're kind of getting at, too, is like, all right, yeah, Patrick Mahomes has this unbelievable receiving core, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, Sammy Watkins, Marcus Robinson, all these guys. Aaron Rodgers has arguably the best offensive line in football, arguably the best wide receiver in football. But, you know, would you, what do you dock each player for? Do you, do you dock Aaron for that line? Do you dock Patrick Mahomes for um, having all these weapons? Like, what means more? Who's your MVP? It's it's going to be the the oldest argument ever with MVPs because shouldn't LeBron win MVP every year in the NBA as long as it's fun? Because who is the MVP? Who are you drafting first? You're starting a team. You're taking Patrick Mahomes until he's done. That's and so is he MVP? Yeah, I think he is. But yeah, can you make a case for? That's the other thing with MVP. You make a case for you take them off that team. What is that team? What is what are the Chiefs without Mahomes? I'm just gonna say they're not gonna be very good. I don't, you know, I you take Josh Allen off the Bills, they're not gonna be very. Good. Take Rodgers off the Packers, not very good. So I think we can eliminate that argument and let's just do the eye test. You know, don't do stats because stats can be misleading. Josh Allen should be in the discussion for MVP. There's no question about it. There's no, they're to me, third or fourth best team in the NFL right now. Mm-hmm. They really are. 
I mean, it, it's going to be a fascinating playoffs coming up for Buffalo. I can't wait to see how – because we talk about this every week. It's time. Josh just has to do it in the playoffs. Yeah. We don't need the regular season stuff anymore. He's proven it. You think he should really be in that same I conversation? Do. I do. I think he's had that type of impact on his team. And, and we've talked about this. I wouldn't have said this before the year, halfway through the year. Yeah. But then it's like he's cutting out more and more. He's cutting out those crazy plays that he does. That, that used to cost him or put his team in a position where they were a little bit, can we hold on to the win? Without neutering the playmaking. That's last year they, you know, it seemed like McDermott basically told him, knock it off, don't turn it over, and it, it was kind of stale for a good chunk of the season. He's not making those, you know, crazy boneheaded plays, and he's rolling left this past week against the Patriots on Monday Night Football, turns the torso, guns it to Stephon Diggs for a touchdown. I mean, that's the kind of throw that still has high risk to it. And there's only two guys that can make it, Rodgers and Holmes, and now Josh. So that's why he and has Tebow. to. Can you, not, even, not, not even to his left, and he was lefty. <laughs> Tebow to his right was like, that's a nightmare. It's like, it didn't even look right. It looked like a robot. You're trying to, like, you need oil on those, like, to get him to turn the shoulder. You know what I would watch is a TV show where it's like, you know, Patrick Mahomes, he, he, you show him a, a highlight of him doing something crazy or Allen, and then it's like you throw in other quarterbacks and say, okay, let's see you do the same exact thing and reenact it, simulate it. That'd be fun. And that's when, when you really study quarterbacks, you realize there's half the, the NFL is really just kidding themselves, what they're putting out there. Yeah. Like, you're kidding yourself with, you know, you got to love like guys like Teddy Bridgewater you love, love. Like he's exactly what you want as a backup. Tyrod Taylor, love as a backup. Those guys aren't going to be your starters that are taking you Super Bowls. They just won't be it. And that's why that's why when you get a guy, when you see Josh do stuff like this, the Bills are going to be he, – his contract's going to be in – it's going to be insane. You have to pay it, right? They have to pay it. They have to. They got the guy. They did the, they did the hard part. They found their quarterback. Unbelievable. So you're going Mahomes as MVP. So I'm Mahomes MVP, and I but, – but for the playoffs – you know, who can knock the Chiefs off in the AFC? And that's – I think – I know you've talked about – you know, I know you're, we're a little different on Lamar as far as you're, you feel very strong about Lamar. I still – I want to see it in the playoffs. But I think Baltimore's team yeah. is the type of team, if Lamar is on point, that can beat Kansas City, that can beat Buffalo, um, who I think are probably the two, you know, the two best in the AFC. And after that, and we talk – Tennessee's defense isn't – and you can't. You're not going to beat these teams with no defense. They look really bad away. And, and they look. And they do against good teams. And that's good offenses, I should say. And that's what scares me on playoff time. But um, but Baltimore has. They're not in right now. Like they have to win to get in. So let's talk about that then. Like let's let's look at this week, kind of make some predictions, and then try to find a team that we think could give Kansas City or Buffalo a you know a game. I think we. We're in agreement with the Bills. They, they could go in Arrowhead and win. So what other team in the AFC could legitimately contend? I mean, this week you got Cleveland against Ball, or against Pittsburgh. They never beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh starting Mason Rudolph. Um, keep your head on a swivel, kid. You never know what could be bashing you. Miles Garrett's playing. If you're the Browns and you can't beat Mason Rudolph and the Steelers, I don't, you know, even with all the COVID concerns, if they, if they can't beat the Steelers now, I mean, they're going to be resting even more than Ben Roethlisberger. Like, if you can't, then you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. It's funny. The drop-off between Rudolph and Roethlisberger isn't 
there's not a huge the way Roethlisberger has played this year. Rudolph did not look good last not year. Not disagreeing with you. He what, couldn't beat out Duck Hodges. The drop off is the offensive line. And that's where the Pittsburgh has just been. Those injuries really took away from what makes them tough up front. And both those, you know, every quarterback needs that. But Pittsburgh's offense line is really rock solid. Mm-hmm. They lost some key guys, and that's taken a toll on Ben. And it should for Rudolph as well. And a good team should, yes, a really good playoff team should always beat a backup quarterback. Cleveland should have no excuses. I don't care about COVID either. That they, yeah. they should win this game. They should have beat the Jets. They, yeah, they should have. To be, if you're a real playoff team, you, you rally around each other. Let's dig down. Yeah, this is crazy. we got guys that – got receivers that don't know. Well, we have a lot of other guys that do know the offense, yeah. and our defense can step up and maybe help us today. They didn't do that. They didn't. They didn't. So, who do you got in that game? Or I think it kind of starts there when you play. Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, I, there's just no – there's no excuse for yeah. them not to win that game. I agree. Browns win that, so – you should have like laid out all the scenarios. The scenarios in front can of drive us. you crazy. They can. I, I do. You know, I'm doing a story on Jonathan Taylor. Go along. Be up Friday with the Colts. So I, do, I know the Colts scenarios here. They need to win. They need help. Right. They need help. Yeah. They got to beat the Jaguars in the four o'clock slot. So they're gonna know by then, like if they're actually playing for the playoffs. Because in the one o'clock slot, you've got they need one of three things to happen. They need either the Browns to lose to the Steelers, which we don't it's think possible. Gonna, it's possible. They need the Bills. They need the Dolphins to lose to the Bills. Possible. Possible. I mean, who knows what Sean McDermott's going to do? He's keeping that close to the vest. Um, I, I, which you know what? Real quick, I'm shocked that the Steelers and Bills aren't just playing their starters. And I mean, I guess it's like, do you believe in momentum or not? I think the Steelers were so bad for a three-week stretch that they look three and a half-week stretch. They look good in that second half against Andy. Why not keep that rolling a little with how bad your offense was? Mike Tomlin knows a hell of a lot more than I'll ever know, so he's probably right. You have to believe that the coaches have the beat of their team. Yeah. Um, and, and I think the coaches that stress we're going to win every week, I, Sean, I, I feel like they're going to come out and try to win this game. I do. I, but if he was going to do that, wouldn't he have come out and just, and said, just it? said it? You know, that's where the cat – that's like um, – we're fielding all calls before the draft. Are you trying to trade up or not? Hey, we listen to everything. You know. It's kind of like <laughs> – Yeah, you just don't want to give away yeah. anything. Oh, I know we're kind of going all over the place, but Kyle Shanahan just had a press conference talking about Jimmy Garoppolo, and it was like, you know, an impassioned defense, you know, going on and on about, you know, his contract isn't that bad. We went to the Super Bowl with this guy. He's our quarterback. And then ever so slightly gives himself an out, like – you know, like every position, you know, we're always looking to get better everywhere. So, oh, then say no more. That's it. Done. Like you're, if you can do better than Jimmy Garoppolo, you're clearly going to do it. I don't want to hear anything else. That's the hard part about being in personnel, and you know, you're in. You know, you want to build your roster. Every time you sign a guy or draft a guy, your next thought is, okay, who's his replacement? Yeah. If he's not good enough, or mm, we're not sure, who's the next guy? And I promise you, San Fran. They know they can do it with Garoppolo, but it's not ideal for them. They're going to be they're going to be thinking, is there a way we can get someone? So the Colts, sorry, yeah. I keep getting off track, Jim. Uh, my fault. You know, I get a Louie, and you don't know what's going to happen. Almost on number two, man. I don't know what else is going to have to go migrate over to the, the beautiful fridge here. Be my exercise for the day. <laughs> so the Colts, they need to beat the Jags at four, but before then, they need to. 
Dolphins to lose or the Browns to lose or the Ravens to lose to Cincinnati, which I don't think we're going to see happen. So, I mean, it's not I – mean, all three of those games, if I were to predict them individually, I'd say, you know what, the Bills are probably going to find a way to beat the Dolphins. So maybe that's their best bet, actually. Who's quarterback in Miami? Oh, my gosh. Do we want to go there right yes. now? What do you think? All right, let's let's do it. So let's say, all right, I'll, you know, just for arguments, like I'll say the, the Colts get in because the Bills beat the Dolphins. And the reason that the Bills beat the Dolphins is Brian Flores, what the hell are you doing? What are you – how can you look at your team in the eye after what we saw well, – it was Christmas night, right? Or um, – no, the 26th. Then I had the 26th. Like, how – how can you look your team in the eye and say our best chance to win right now is with rookie Tua Tagabayola and not Ryan Fitzpatrick? I mean, it's I, I, this isn't to bash Tua. Maybe he's really good one day, but right now he's just a dink and dunk, extremely ultra-cautious rookie quarterback who isn't ever going to be able to match any of these other quarterbacks in the AFC, I mean, is the goal to win this year? Or is it to not hurt a rookie's feelings? Because, I mean, if you're worried about the latter, he's never going to be your guy. I mean, you hope that's not the case, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying Ryan Fitzpatrick's the league MVP, but he's a hell of a lot better than Tua right now, and I don't think it's really arguable. It's not. And Fitzpatrick has earned the right, in my opinion, for his teammates as well who are out there giving everything they have to win playoff games and make the playoffs. I, I didn't hate the game plan as far as when they inserted Tua. They drafted him there for a reason. Because Patrick, you know who he is. And you want to see Tua on the field. But I think you've seen enough where, hold on now, he's still coming off that injury. Let's Maybe it's just, maybe we're rushing this a little bit. Because he has not shown on tape anything that would say he should be playing over Fitzpatrick. He hasn't shown anything on tape that he's in the same class as Herbert or Burrow. Not even close. It's just not even comparable. But I don't like. I don't want to just write him off because of you know the injury and his rookie. But hey, you don't think you don't think Miami's defense and special teams, who are lights out, are looking around saying, "Hey, uh, is it cool if we just go with Fitzpatrick for this year and maybe try two in next year? If that's the case, but we actually can make the playoffs and Fitzpatrick might be the key." That one is surprising to me. For a guy who does seem to have a beat on his team, Flores, and preaches, we're going to play. No, Fitzpatrick is better than Tua. Yeah. And you have to admit it. And it doesn't mean it's going to stay that way next year. But right now, Fitzpatrick should be the quarterback. Totally agree. I think you put it perfectly. It's like, I mean, Brian Flores, we're not saying he's a bad coach. If, if anybody figured out how to navigate a, a tank, it's him. Like what they did last year with trading away guys for all these picks, losing by 30, 40 in September, like I'm sure you would have liked to have done in Buffalo at some point to try to try to get that franchise quarterback. It's Otherwise, you're, you're going to be in purgatory. Um, yet, he did it in a way where players are still showing up in the morning, eager, enthusiastic, fighting. By December, they beat the Patriots with Ryan Fitzpatrick, by the way. And... So, I mean, you're built, you're there. he was kind of able to simultaneously lose on purpose, you know, him and Chris Greer, I should say, and um, and still and still compete, I mean, and, and still build something there, which is remarkable. And here they are, 
kind of sending mixed messages because it's you look at the numbers and I think I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is averaging like 235 passing yards a game and remember two of those games are basically only played what the fourth quarter it's like relief so he's I haven't done the math we we don't do math on this podcast but uh you know you're talking about what 250 260 two is at like 150 160 something he's just not pressing it down the field which you're not going to win I don't care what your defense is you're not going to win that way right now so just trying to follow the logic it doesn't make sense and we're sitting there saying that Fitzpatrick I don't think he's the answer either. Mm-hmm. But for this team, he's better than Tua. And Fitzpatrick could go in there and, and this week and come in and throw his fourth quarter pick that loses the game that he's done for most of his career while he's bounced around. But there's so there's also the possibility he's going to do something that Tua won't do because he doesn't take chances. And it's really not close watching. I, I told you this last week um, after we were talking, but if you just watch Jalen Hurts, and Tua on tape, you're just going to roll with Hurts because he's running around making plays. Yeah. Neither guy is getting it done throwing the ball right now. Neither guy. But Hurts is, is, has this incredible athleticism, toughness that's showing up and, and creating plays with Tua. Like, what are you hanging your hat on with Tua right now? Seems pretty small out there. Play small. It plays sure. small. Play small. Dominant in college, you wonder if the injury, maybe he still has to mentally get past that. But if I'm Miami – and I'm seeing how this unfolded, and I went through up through this elaborate tank job. I'm bashing my head against the wall because I didn't draft Justin Herbert. Well, they're they're going to talk about that forever, just like you know we talked about Holmes and all those guys. You're you're going to beat yourself up when you miss on a you know a franchise quarterback. And right now, to me, they've missed. Like Herbert is clearly yeah, should have been the choice. It's going to be funny when Tua goes out there and throws 400 yards, right? Well, then next week we'll just take, we'll say he got a little healthier, a little more week of experience for a young guy. I mean, hey, we cliche it anyway. We can. We all right, right. You just said that you went up to the podium I, I and can, talked about the hey, best guy on the board. Spend, you pick a game. I can, give you, I can give you a reason to bet on either team. I can always rationalize. Speaking of betting, oh. look at that, Jim. We got to do our, do our sponsorship uh, live read here. Let's do it. Bet online. Which I, should, I forgot to mention at the top of the show also. We are hosted by Blue Wire. Um, incredible host. Be sure to check out their website. Get all the Blue Wire podcasts right there. Um, do, just do a great job for us. Uh, but bet online. The NBA is back in action and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at bet online. Bet online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Do not forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, that's BLUEWIRE, at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline. Your online sportsbook experts. You know, we wanted to do a, a gambling segment on this show, and we end up just, you know, bullshitting and telling all these stories, and we never really get to it. But, you know, you're a gambling connoisseur of sorts. Jim, is there a, a tip? You know, I'm, I was looking at the Super Bowl odds the other day. I'm, you know, I got, I got, I got no cold hard locks. I got some lukewarm locks. You know, that milk you put in the microwave for your one-year-old kind of lock. You know, that, that, and that, that for me would be the Ravens. They're 20 to 1 to win it all. You know, I'm a Lamar guy. I think I'd take that right now. What about you? I would say that's a good bet. 
because you're getting value for a team that mm-hmm. is they are poor, they can make the Super Bowl, and, and that's to me those are good bets. What isn't good bet, not a good bet, is when I find myself last night when I bet North Carolina Georgia Tech college basketball game, and then I watch it for about five minutes and realize why did I bet on this game. What am I watching? So I would rather take the Ravens to win the Super Bowl than take North Carolina minus three and a half against Georgia Tech last night. And, and gambling can be depressing sometimes. You're betting on a, a Super Bowl winner is fun, yeah. but it's those nights when you do Georgia Tech, North Carolina, college basketball, meaningless game that make you question yourself. Two betting tips I got for the, the good people out there from somebody who doesn't really bet much at all, so take it for what it's worth. But last year um, – I went on WGR with Mike Shope and the Bulldog. They do a great job. And, uh, you know, Mike is into gambling and likes, likes talking in those terms. And we were talking about the Chiefs. And I think it was right when Mahomes came back from his dislocated kneecap. Like, nobody's talking about Patrick Mahomes. Nobody's talking about the Chiefs. And for whatever reason, I think I looked at the odds, and they were like 10 to 1, 15 to 1. And I told Mike, I'm like, I'm not into gambling. This is on air. Like, if you're into it, throw some money down on the Chiefs. I didn't do it myself. My uncle, who shall remain nameless because I don't want to incriminate him, you know, he, he's got a family. You know, maybe maybe his, his wife doesn't want to know he's gambling. I don't know. I don't know. But he, he, he took me up on that. He took that advice to heart. And I'll, I'll take credit for it. Maybe he would have done it anyways. And he won a little bit of money on the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. So the, the moral of the story, Jim, is if you feel deep inside, just go for it. Shoot your shot. It's it's scary how many how you can rationalize every bet and and that gut feeling nobody talks about that gut feeling when they were wrong yeah it's like I, I knew that I knew they were going to win that game I it's the guys that I respect that say I I could have sworn I gave you a good tip and I apologize Doug Willie sent me a little text um, a couple of days ago he's a friend in the horse racing business and there was a race down in Louisiana. <laughs> And Doug's friend had a horse running in it, and, and Doug said, hey, he gave me the name of the horse. Race number one down in Louisiana, 2 o'clock p.m. post time. I was like, appreciate the tip. You know, you, you, you bet it because you get a tip. You can't not because then you can't, you know, yeah. you can't sleep at night if you get a tip and don't take it. And it didn't come close. The horse came in sixth place, and Doug sent me a text. Sorry about that one. I said, don't say sorry. I appreciate it. Hey, it was a good heartbeat for a couple minutes, and hey, we'll get the next one. I was like, anytime you give a tip, let me know. Doug's texting you. His mother was a mother. Right. And his mother's mother was a mother. But, mother. but you just got to let it go. It's, it, it, you know, you're going to lose. You're going to lose some and win some, and you should do it for entertainment only, and you should never gamble. <laughs> um, but if you do, go to bet online. Bet online is the only one you should use. <laughs> if you're going to take North Carolina versus Georgia Tech on a depressing Wednesday night, Go to betonline.com. <laughs> we need some mobile sports betting in New York State. I mean, for the love. Come on. Oh, I mean, I love walking over to Seneca Creek every day to put my bets in, but I'm, I'm looking for a little online. Right. So. They're, they're shutting down people's businesses and livelihoods left and right. Maybe pump a little money into the economy that way. Hey, there's a segue. I know we're talking AFC playoff picture. I want to get back. We're eventually going to, you know, give everybody what we promised and our contender, you know, out there. But um, the governor – uh, cape on, I'm guessing, swoops in and makes everyone in Western New York happy. The Bills are going to have fans at their playoff. I think everybody's in agreement. That's that's great. I mean, these fans are maybe the best in all of sports. I mean, as everybody knows, un- unbelievable. 
they've been dying for this information, dying for this news. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm got like a million thoughts in a million different places when this all went down. And uh, what was yours? I mean, what was your reaction to it? I was happy for whoever gets to go to that, however they determine who's going to be allowed in there for the game, and happy for the players to have a little bit because players do love, they feed off that. But um, it, it is sad. It, anybody that's been around Buffalo knows how much the city deserves to enjoy what they have put together with the Pagulas and Sean and Dean have done to get this team to this position where they are seriously the second-best team in the AFC. And if they can win, they can go and win the Super Bowl this year. And that's, that's what this city has wanted forever. And the restaurants and people can't even enjoy it, and that's, that's tough. Yeah, I mean, I just, on a personal level, having friends that work in the restaurant industry and, you know, there's, they're, they're told there's no way they can open, you know, that there, there's no creativity allowed. Like, you can do this and this, and it's safe, and, you know, you can have a job. You can feed your family. When they're told they're not, they can't do that. Yeah, we're going to have 6,000-plus in a football stadium. Granted, everybody's going to get tested. I know, you know, but the governor said I don't, it just seems a little odd that you can't have, you know, a dozen chicken wings at Elmo's with your buddy sitting three stools away. But you're right, amazing. I know the fans are happy. They deserve to see this team live in the playoffs. They've been dying for this opportunity. It's going to be it's gonna be raucous. I mean, I tell you what, even though there's that finite amount of fans in there, like, it's going to be loud, and I know uh, the governor said there's not going to be any tailgating allowed. I mean, good luck if they if they win. It's going to I don't know what's what, uh, can they really can they really stop that before the game after the game? It, they win a playoff game at home. It's going to be like them winning the Super Bowl here. I don't know the logistics on how you would keep. Um, I guess there's a way that they're going to allow people in and park and go to the game. The sixty-seven hundred is that what it was? Yes, yes. But that's part of the experience. So to me, if if you get tested and you've been cleared to go to the game, those 6,700 should be allowed. At least tailgate, shouldn't they? I mean, how do you stop it? Tear gas? What do you do? You can't stop it. I mean, it, you're going to have 6,700 law enforcement officers who, by the way, probably don't want to be the bad guy in that situation either. <laughs> like, you know... Pre-game and post-game tailgates are the best because yeah. pre-game is, right, everybody is just the hype. It's pound your chest, we're going to win, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Then, win or lose, the post-game tailgate takes place win or lose. If you lose, it's fire everybody, you know, I, this team stinks, we got to do this. If you win, it's, you know, we can, we're, we're great, everything's fine. We would always have a little post-game you know, as as employees, you know, you let the fans get out of the, you know, you have, you have some stuff you have to go over after a game, not a whole lot, but you go through the injuries yeah. and, okay, we're clean. All right, let's, let's calm down. Win or lose, let's calm down for a little bit, let the fans get out of here, had a drink or two, and you know, go. So we were playing the Chargers. We just lost to the Chargers. And I remember we were having a little post-game beer in, in the parking lot, and uh, Marone was driving out, and Willie and I were sitting in the parking lot, and, he drove by, and it was it was a loss. One of those, 14, then? 14, maybe. Okay. Yeah, 14. Or 13 or 14. So, I, yeah, one of those years. But I do remember it was Rivers, and I do remember it was the Chargers. And Maroon's driving by us, and we're kind of like, man, this is going to be rough. 
you know, we got to figure this out. Like, we got to get this team, you know, how are we going to get this right? And Marone drives by, and we see him, he sees us, and we're thinking, what's he thinking? Here, you know, here we are having a beer, he's driving home. We all just give a thumbs up. <laughs> and I think we all gave a thumbs up, like, is everything okay? Like, I hope, I hope we're going to get this right. But, man, it's like, it, it's just so much happens in pregame and postgame tailgates yeah. that you wish, you know, it's like, you, you just, it's part of football. It is. It's a way to just, it, you watch it, you put energy into it, and it's a way to unwind and wind up and all that. And I hope those people get a chance to have some fun. That's awesome. I love it. I mean, it's, uh, I'm glad you're able to enjoy, you know, a little postgame tailgate because that's kind of the curse of our professions, right? Like, you know, I, it, it, it's tough to, to walk. I mean, you know, covering football for a living, it's not a job. But walking through all those tailgates, you know, with a computer over my shoulder, and seeing all these people just beer ponging it, throwing bean bags around, cornhole. And One of the hardest things to do when you are working in football is you don't really get a chance to participate in tailgates. Because, you know, you fall into the games or either cover it or you're scouting it as a scout. This is a good one. I'm in Athens, Georgia. Troy's playing University of Georgia, Troy University. And I specifically was going to that game to see Leotis McKelvin for Troy go against Georgia. because. You know, you knew he was a he was a big name guy coming into the season, and you wanted to see him go against Georgia because Troy doesn't always play Georgia. As we're walking into the stadium, you know, it's hot. You walk, you know, you know how it is when you go to one of those hot games. And you know, parking's a little further than the press box, and you get that good sweat going on the walk. And you walk into tailgates, you're like, what? Oh, the beautiful sound. I figured that was a good time. Why can't I just sit here with these, you know, everybody and hang out? So anyway, as you're walking through, you hear this buzz going on. What's everybody talking about? So you just, hey, what's going on? You just peek out. Everybody has TVs at their yeah. little tailgate. Appalachian State beat Michigan. Armani Edwards for App State was just put on a show. Game. Unbelievable game. So I ended up watching the end of that game, you know, hearing people yelling and screaming and watching that <laughs> in Athens, Georgia parking lot before I went in to see the Otis. That's Georgia. awesome. Yeah. So you're able to get a little bit in. I which, like it. Which is why scouting is one of it's, the greatest jobs in the world. It is. I mean, I can still remember, like like we mentioned on the first episode, how we both kind of grew up Packer fans. And my dad and I, we'd go to Lambeau Field every other year. I mean, those were the best memories of my childhood. I mean, my dad being my best friend. And, like, the first beer I ever had was uh, at a Packers tailgate. I think, uh, you know, it was, I was in high school. I won't, I won't say exactly what my age was, but it was before a, a Packers-Eagles Monday night game in a tailgate. You know, we met some – Crazy Packer fans who had, like, some crazy stories. Just, oh, my God, that we still laugh about to this day. But, just you know, we all kind of had that special defining moment at a tailgate, right? Like, I still remember cracking open that Miller Lite and tasting that beer for the first time. Tailgate, it, it's just incredible what happens at tailgates. Yeah. And whether it's your first beer, your first bet, you can fall <laughs> in and out of love at a tailgate. In, in a matter of we've, two hours. We've seen some videos of Bill's fans tailgates falling in go, It could go horribly wrong. <laughs> it, it's just it, it's just so many things can happen. But it's just part of football. Like it basketball is. doesn't have it. Baseball doesn't really have it because baseball you can kind of just drink. God, I mean, we got to get back to normal 2021. I mean, it's like we forget about these little things in life that you just – I mean, I feel like we always appreciate them, but maybe not as much as we should have. Like just a good tailgate, just hanging around with friends. Watching a football game, drinking a beer. Like, we're here at, you know, Hamburg Brewing, which is amazing. By the way, when, when the world does get back to normal, 
and uh, Jim is my podcast host, which, by the way, NFL teams out there, if you're listening, this is the smartest football man I know. Hire him right now, as much as I'd hate to see it, because I want us to do this forever and ever. Jim is amazing. He should be your GM. He should run your team. Please do it. But if that doesn't happen and the world gets, gets back to normal, we'll be here with fans, watching football, hanging out in person. Right. We just, we've adjusted as a society. Everybody makes adjustments to what this is now. But there's not one person that you talk to. And thank you for that. I, no, I mean it. Like, I'm not just blowing smoke. I, we, I mean, from the first time. We, I guess we first talked a little bit when I was on the beat here and there. But, you know, since then, it's, I always learn something talking to you. And you just have a very, you know, un, you know anti-group think of way of thinking about football, which is you need. It's, fre- it's a fresh perspective that you don't get often with people who run NFL teams. I mean it. Well, I feel, you know, whenever we started speaking, it was always refreshing. You know, I always enjoyed reading your articles because I'm like, well, you're, you're writing about things that are a little different, but that not everybody's saying or talking about. And that's what I always appreciate about your, your writing. And I kind of feel the same way, but I think it just goes to passion. And if you have a passion for something – you should be working in that field. And, that, you know, whether or not I get back in the NFL, that we'll see what happens. But I'm, I'm sitting here talking football with you at Hamburg Brewing. We're getting ready to bring in the new year. And I think the positive thinking is we're going to be back to normal. I hope this place is packed. But Bill's Super Bowl will be fun. Can you imagine, can you imagine the city, Hamburg Brewing, everywhere, Bill's Super Bowl? I can't. It but I think be... we need to start thinking that way because they are good enough. What was the moment that – if you could point to, like, one specific moment, because we were both pretty skeptical about this team, this quarterback, everything. Um, if you could point to one specific moment where you believed that, Jim, what would it be? You're not going to believe this, but it was the loss to Arizona. Whoa! I didn't think there was any way the Bills were going to go to Arizona because who did they beat the week before? Um, it was a big – it was a good win – Point being in the NFL. Seattle. There it was. Big win. Now you're traveling to play another playoff caliber team out of conference, which sometimes can be you got to get your team a little bit. Hey, we just beat Seattle. Now we got to go play Arizona. Like, all right, well, they're not in the AFC. It's a road game. We just had a big win. That's the classic sign show for a letdown from, from a team that isn't well coached, well prepared, or talented. They should have, that game to me they won. I mean, yeah, it was a Hail Mary, whatever. But they beat Arizona. I thought the San Francisco win was impressive. Mm-hmm. Was, they get up. They're not playing down to their level, which was what I'm trying to say. They are showing up and getting better every week, which means they're focused. They are locked in. That's a credit to McDermott and the players. They believe in the quarterback. And I've told you that before, like we talked about with Drew Brees. When the team believes in you, you're going to win the Super Bowl. I'm finding out now in Philadelphia that team didn't believe in McNabb. T.O. just came out the other day and crushed him again. T.O.'s always crushing him. But crushed McNabb for not being a leader and was drinking before the Super Bowl. And I'm looking back on that. And I was, you know, I was an area scout, so I wasn't always on the inside inside. But, you know, McNabb to me was, was such a good, you know, dominant quarterback. How can he be a great leader? But apparently he wasn't a great leader and didn't have the respect of all the teammates. Maybe that's why we never got over the top in Philly when on the McNabb days. And we did in New Orleans. And this Bills team has that belief in Josh Allen. 
And once you have that belief, and Josh has the talent, they can win the Super Bowl. So well said. You know, when I wrote, wrote and recorded that story that we debuted at Go Along, and thank you for all the details, Jim. I mean, that's kind of opened it up. But that's what teammates kept saying about Josh Allen, you know, whether it's Mitch Morris, Devin Singletary, um, everybody around that team, Zach Moss. You, know, you hear the receivers all the time. But, like, it sounds cliche. You know, at first I think there's that tendency to just kind of brush it off and just say, you know, that's just BS, you know philosophical nonsense. But when guys are talking about wanting to run through a wall for him, wanting to play harder, wanting to hold your block longer, wanting to run your route crisper, wanting to play defense with more intensity, I know it sounds, you know, for the numbers people, and we always come back to that on this podcast, for the numbers people, the Microsoft Excel spreadsheet people, like they don't want to hear it. They don't believe in momentum. They don't believe in emotion and feelings having an impact on the game, it does have an impact. Like Josh Allen, people want to freaking go to war with this guy. Like there's, he has some kind of effect on players that you don't hear that all the time. Like I'm telling, like it's yes, are guys just going to publicly bash their quarterback? Probably not. But guess what? They might speak anonymously about an Aaron Rodgers here or there. They might because they want the, the truth out. They want to share a story here. And then this isn't to say that he's a bad leader. Obviously, he's an MVP candidate for a reason. And um, he seems reju- rejuvenated. seems like he's grown over time. But there was a period there where guys aren't necessarily saying that. I mean, you've got your number one receiver, Greg Jennings. Your number one tight end, Jermichael Finley. Um, I know he was called irrelevant by the quarterback. But when they publicly put their name to it and say stuff, it, it does mean something is what I'm saying. Jay Cutler, same thing. Did a story in him at Bleach Report at one point. You you could hear it in like Lance Briggs's voice, like a bitterness, and, and justifiably so. On that, he believed they had a Super Bowl defense for a few years there. They had a team that could have won it all, but they had a quarterback who just wasn't that great of a leader. And you you definitely kind of look for little telltale signs that maybe guys aren't coming out and saying like he's a bad person, he's a bad leader, and stuff like that. But it's the opposite end of the spectrum from the way people talk about Josh Allen. And it means something. And I think in January football, it absolutely can be a factor. Everything that they show with their their love for the game, the way they celebrate as a team together, the way they never sell each other out, no matter what, they all take, they all take responsibility. They don't lose much right now. But when they do have bad games, they don't blame it on Josh, or Josh doesn't blame it on anybody. They, they, the defense says, "Hey, we need to do better," and that's they're playing for the quarterback and they're playing for the coach. They believe they have a chance to. So let's do it. I mean, right, we know that the Chiefs are the front runner. We know the Bills can legitimately give them a run. Um, what other team do you look at, Jim, and think, okay, you know, maybe, maybe they can give them a game. Maybe they can go to the Super Bowl. For me in the AFC, it's it's simply Baltimore, and they and they're not even in right now. But if they well they are but if they as long as they finish it off and get in the playoffs I think Baltimore is another team that can make a run at the Bills or Chiefs um, NFC I do think Green Bay in a Super Bowl will be fun for Kansas City or Buffalo um, and I think the Saints and I'm saying the Saints and I can't believe I'm saying this but the question mark is Brees but everything else is in place they have 
the dominant, dominant player in Kamara. The offense line is rock solid. The receiving court is god awful. And Breeze is average right now. Below I mean, it's even with Michael Thomas. They need Michael Thomas, but he's as good as he is. It's still not a, a receiving core that you're you're being threatened by. Tight ends are average, mm-hmm. um, but their defense is so tough. So I do like I like that combo. If Breeze and Thomas get back and can sink a little bit. I think the Saints and Packers, Chiefs, Bills, Ravens. I think those five teams. I think we get our Super Bowl winner. I'm trying to disagree with you, but I agree completely. Who would be like, Who would be the wild card? I know you yeah. had a little love for <laughs> the Rams, but <laughs> your boy's not playing this week off. So we'll, we'll leave the Rams. Let's see if they All get right, in. No, Let's see if they high. get in this week because I do like that Rams team. Yeah. But they lost the running back. Golf is out. Cup is out. It doesn't look good. They have the AAF star John Walker from Wake Forest playing this week. Who 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 I am interested to see how McVay plays with him. Um, he is he is a tough, smart, good quarterback with some limitations, but there's a reason he's been around, mm-hmm. and that tells me McVay really likes this guy. You don't keep a guy like that as your number two unless you believe in him a little bit as a coach that I can win a couple games with him, especially with the starter that you've kind of taken some shots at. Publicly. And there's something going on there with golf and McVay. It's definitely not right, but I'm really excited to see if the Rams. What I'm excited to see are the Rams. Rams defense going to raise their game which they're capable of because they have so much talent on that defense. And beat Kyle and Murray and Kingsbury, you lose a game like this, mm-hmm. now all of a sudden you you got to look at yourself in the mirror a little bit. Hey, what are we doing wrong? Because, you know, we were brought in here as a team to, to win playoff games. And if you're not even making the playoffs, that team needs to really figure out, you know, where what route they're going with that offense with Murray. But that Rams-Cardinal game will be fun this week. It will be. On the Rams, I still like the defense. You have a stud corner. You've got the best defensive player in football. You've got some really underrated stars, too. Um, Darius Williams, I think, got hurt last week. He's made some plays. But you're right. I mean, I think it's just really bad timing for them when you lose the way they did against Seattle. It was just kind of an ugly game. I mean, some untimely turnovers for both sides and – Jared Goff did not play well. I mean, he's been prone to that game. And I – obviously, as everybody knows, I'm, I'm pretty high on Goff. Just knowing him like I do, I think that this guy is one of the toughest players in the league. You know, there were some reports early on this week that he might try to grip through this thumb and play, and he got the surgery. And I guess he's maybe going to play in the playoffs or target it. They win. However you slice it, it's just really bad timing all around. I mean, you want to be hot. You want to be healthy. We want to be rolling this time of year, and the Rams just aren't all of a sudden. So I, I can't look at that team now and say that they're a legitimate Super Bowl threat. You know, you, you can talk yourself into it, right? Like maybe golf gets back, and maybe they start running the ball with Acres. He gets back. Sounds like he's going to play this week. Like, I, I agree with you on the Ravens. I think that the Ravens, the way that they're running the ball right now, it's not just Lamar. Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, Greg Roman, playmaker Lamar. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's throwing the ball efficiently too. You look at the last month plus, and his passer rating is over a hundred nearly every game. I mean, he's doing enough in the passing game. Marquise Brown. It, it seems like he might have worked his way out of the funk he was in. Des Bryant caught a touchdown last week. Remember, he he seemed like just put on Twitter, I'm done. I'm quitting. Well, there he is catching a touchdown. But that that running game, it it, it can. Be a problem, and I, I get it. 
you know, you need a quarterback who's going to knife that thread the needle pass on third and eight, everything on the line, and a guy in your face from the pocket. I'm not ready to stray from that logic that Kurt Warner kind of laid out, but if there's any quarterback who, who can just throw all the rules out the window, it's Lamar Jackson, and, and he, he's playing phenomenal, phenomenal right now. Baltimore's defense. Is, yeah, we never talk about the defense. That's where I, that's yeah. why I really do still feel good. About, I, I feel good about everything about that. What know? about Unique and Gakwe? I mean, what a sneaky addition he was, I and mean, one of the best pass rushers and in football. That's where the, he'll, he'll come up as soon as he makes a play in the postseason because it's almost like you forget he's there. He's mm-hmm. so Lamar heavy, and so. But I think that's a great pickup for them, and I, I still love their corners, Peters and, and Humphrey, is the way they get after it. The other team we didn't talk about that I'm not sold enough on is Seattle. Yeah, and I know they are playing better on defense. They are. I'm not sold on their defense, and Russell has to do a lot. Like it's, it, they ask him to do a lot. Now I, you know, if they can run the ball, I, I don't love their receivers. I like them. There, there's some, you know, Metcalf is a, has some ability, but he's not consistent enough as a route runner mm-hmm. run after the catch. You know, he's kind of a splash player right now to me, because um, he makes great plays, but he also misses a lot of plays. And Russell is – he's so good. Mm-hmm. And he's he just – he always has a way to, to find ways to get them to that next level and win. So you can't count them out because of Russell. But I just feel like Green Bay and New Orleans defensively, I feel a little bit better about them than I do Seattle. Interesting addition there to your great Seahawks point. And Chris Carson's healthy, and it seems like they kind of want to – not completely go back to the way they were playing, you know, a few years ago, but they've been running the ball more. They didn't have Chris Carson in the playoffs last year. I mean, at Lambeau Field, when they lost a close game to the Packers, you know, I can't remember who it was, but one of their receivers dropped a huge third down late in the game as they were driving in to to tie it, I believe. But they didn't have Carson. They were down to, a, like, wasn't Marshawn Lynch? He came back, right? He was like, playing. <laughs> um, they didn't have much, so... Uh, I, I think that the fact that they have that uh, – he, he's one of the more underrated players in all of football. I think he gives them a shot as much as Russell Wilson. So all that being said, so it'll, it'll be Tennessee versus who in the Super Bowl? Since we just threw out every team except for Tennessee, who would make it from the NFC that we didn't talk about? Who I mean, do, who's the team that we didn't even – The 6-10 and 10 Giants, I mean, they're going to be a threat. Are they getting in? I – I mean, they play Dallas, Taylor right? Heineke, mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. He's got to beat Philly. XFL backup. Which he could beat Philly. But say Philly wins that game. And then the Giants and beat And the Giants beat, I mean, Dallas. do you trust Mike McCarthy's Dallas Cowboys in a must-win game? I don't. I mean, it's unbelievably plausible that the 6-10 and 10 Giants are NFC East champs. And nobody wants to play those Giants, baby. Did we just go from Mahomes, Rogers, Josh Allen, Russell, <laughs> Taylor? You know, Heineke, they, you know what they call Daniel that? Daniel Jones. A good segue into our next live read. So let's get that in, and then we'll uh, we'll finish that up. So here we go. Indeed, indeed, indeed. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. 
Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria. And you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This offer is valid through December 31st, which is today. So get on it. Terms and conditions apply. Jim. Well, I go on Indeed every day trying to get a stub <laughs> in the NFL, and I will tell you, they, they put everything out there. I just haven't been able to break through, but Indeed gives you as many options as possible. I'll say it again. I mean, if you're a team out there and you're looking for somebody in personnel, a scout, a fresh perspective, hire this man as much as it would pay me to see you go and leave me. You've got little Walter. You've got a little man there that you got to take care of. So I, I, I hope it works out, Jim, and uh, whoever hires you would be better for it. I guess maybe I should try that route on interviews. Say, I have a kid. Yeah. Don't you feel bad for me? You know, with go long, I, you know, you just, I was thinking about floating some outlet pictures. I mean, you, you're about to have another one. I mean, yeah, this is – you have right. a lot going on in 21. That's right. We have baby number two coming in hot. Gina's doing well. I tell you what, that first trimester is no joke. You, you gain a whole new appreciation for women, females in general. When you see what they go through from conception right on through birth, right on to raising that baby, it's – they're amazing. Yeah, it makes you feel guilty as a as a man sometimes. Like drinking beer, talking about football at here, right? 10 a.m. Well, we're looking at 10:43, so I Better. think we're okay. We're, we're okay. Good now. We're tailgating. Anything else you want to hit on before we sign off, Jim? Uh, no, but uh, I know tonight uh, Ball State plays in a bowl game um, in Indiana, and head coach for Ball State, his name's Mike New. Um, worked with him with New Orleans Saints. He has done a tremendous job at Ball State. He really, I'm really proud to see they're in a bowl game. That's his alma mater. He's in the Hall of Fame there as a quarterback. But that's a guy I think some Division One schools, some power schools need to pay attention to. I always like to throw out some coaches I respect. And I like it. And Mike New is a guy that, that that he would, if he got the right right job, um, I think he could help the program in college. Anybody else? I love, I love it. I mean, well, it's this time of year, so I kind of like yeah. I always like the firings and firings, and I'm excited to see if Jerry Reese gets a chance as a GM in the NFL, a guy that's a proven two-time Super Bowl winner in New York, uh, New York Giants. Um, did a great job. Got fired because he benched Eli Manning, which nobody will ever understand how you lose your job for doing the right thing. Um, Jerry Reese should be a GM in the NFL. Yeah, insane. Um, what went down there? I don't know. I mean, I guess it is a it's. A, Tougher place to run a football team, but to win two Super Bowls against the greatest dynasty ever, to be willing and have the cojones to say it's time to move on from this legend, and that ends up being the reason you're you're let go, and it just goes down the way it did. Um, I'm the Jacksonville Jaguars. If I'm any team out there looking to you know get things going, 
I, I, I'd, I'd hire Jerry Reese, and, I, and I'd hire the people that he wants to surround himself with. Sometimes things can be, you know, when, when you're in a position like Jacksonville's in, um, this is your chance. And you can you have a no-brainer hire in a guy like Jerry Reese, and you have a no-brainer number one pick in Trevor Lawrence, it sounds like. I haven't studied him enough to say that, but, you know, from everything. And you have a GM and quarterback ready to go, trusting them to get the right head coach, and your franchise can turn around. Which head coach? I know we've talked a lot about Dayball, but you know, say, I don't know, we, you know, say the Chargers is where he goes. Say that's just not an option for the Jaguars or he stays in Buffalo, whatever. Which other offensive-minded head coach? And I think you'd want to go offensive-minded if you're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, right? Like, maybe not. I guess like, maybe we differ there. Like, what route could they go? We that, that's an appealing job. Like, that really is. We differ in the fact that, like, I look at Sean. I always use Sean as the example who we hired and, and really is in the mix and may win coach of the year. And, you know, I know Doug and myself are very proud that we were part with the Bullas on yeah. getting Sean in front of them and Sean doing the job that really he interviewed and proved that he can do. And he's a defensive coach. But he also is a CEO coach. And he studied, he's been around the franchise quarterback. So he had that, and I always say this when you do the interviews, just make sure you're paying attention to the guys that see the big picture and not just their side of the ball. And it's hard for me to really get in the, like to say who would be a great hire for Jacksonville without being on the other side of it to be in the interviews. A guy that I actually do like, and he's a defensive guy that I think was did a great job here, was Mike Pettin, hmm. who's Green Bay's coordinator right now. He has an incredible understanding. I brought up Pete Carmichael for the Saints before, who I, you know, I, I worked with and think he deserves an interview. I think Mike Pettin deserves an interview again. He, he had a raw deal with the Browns. Oh, horrible setup, set up for failure, no chance. Coach Pettin, is, he's been waiting his whole – he knows every rule. He's, he is draft smart, knows how to roster build, like he, it's important to him. And I think Patton would be a guy that I'd like. I just want to see some new name. I want to see some new guys yeah. getting interviewed and hired. I know you brought up Van Pelt before. I'd love to see him get out on that circuit of interviews, see how he does. Because these guys, there's something they're doing right. And you, you'd like to just see those. I'd like to see – I don't want to just say offense because I, I think it gets a little, a little too – just match up an offense and a quarterback. I think you can match up the right leader, and the, I think the offensive coordinator becomes the higher when you're drafting number one and taking quarterback. To play devil's advocate, I guess I'd say, all right, say you go that CEO approach, you find another McDermott, Tomlin, somebody who isn't necessarily offensive-minded, diagramming, you know, X's and O's, and, and new innovative ways. I mean, say, I, I don't know though. I mean, like you could be. Panthers and you know Joe Brady's well regarded. You know, I know they kind of their season kind of fell apart, but say you're a team and you you do find this great offensive coordinator, the Bills with Brian Dable, like he, they're going to lose him to somebody else, and then what? I mean, is it just as easy to replace that that person that that innovative mind? I don't think it is. Like I think, I mean, in a dream world, you'd you'd have somebody who is cutting edge, like a Sean McVay, a Kyle Shanahan, that is also your head coach and can handle that that job and everything entails, but that those guys aren't around. I mean, and the, we'll see what happens with those two guys, too. I mean, the 49ers didn't have that great of a season. But you look at Arizona, yeah, and they paired up Kingsbury and Murray, right? They went offensive. And they're fighting to make the playoffs right now. 
Now, that says either Murray's not the right guy or Kingsbury's not the right coach, but that hasn't that mesh hasn't necessarily paid off dividends with a loaded skill set around Murray. So I guess what I'm saying is just make sure, whereas Kingsbury got kind of anointed um, as this offensive genius that can take Murray's talent to another level, I'm not sure we've seen that yet. I kind of – we didn't talk about this when we were touching on it earlier. I kind of like Kingsbury in that I think that it's easy for us just to paint him as this – offensive whiz you know you see the hair you see his house on draft day and it's like you know I talking to Nick Shimanick and he's the quarterback that replaced Patrick Mahomes like he cannot say enough about him as a worker he's like this dude he played for Belichick and he's been around Brady like he is pouring he wakes up at four he works out he just he he studies the game he can he, he pointed to one example of like you know we were in a meeting once and he has his old legal pad notebook, and you know, he literally watched every single play from the, the season before in the NFL when he was at Texas Tech. And he's referencing plays from games like years and years and years. I, I think he does kind of mention Pettit, Pettit knowing every rule. I think that Kingsbury has that in him. I, I don't, I'm not as quick to just like dismiss him quite quite yet. Not that you are, but I think like that there is more to him than just being a great play caller, and that's. That's what you don't know unless you're on the inside. And I'm, yeah. I guess what, I, what I'm saying with Kingsbury is I don't really love watching their offense. I feel like it's here's the ball, Murray, and you make a play. Mm-hmm. And that's I don't feel like the timing's there. Um, I, I do feel like he gets bailed out. And, and everybody gets bailed out by their great receivers, and that's part of the deal. But they do have some guys that make incredible plays for Murray. He gets a lot of balls tipped. I think he misses some easy throws that I think he's got to clean up, and he's capable of. He's yeah. so natural throwing the football. And when you, what's hard as a coach, too, when you get a guy that that special talent like Murray has, you do want to give him the – do want him to make every play because he is that good. But how do you – that's the fine – you know, that's the fine line of getting Murray to execute on a rhythm, in situations, keep the ball, keep – you know, time of possession is big, third downs are big, keep the chains moving. Does, not every play has to be a crazy big-time play. That's when I think you see Murray take that next step as a quarterback. It, there is something to be said for – I mean, obviously you'd rather have a DeAndre Hopkins on your team. Like, he's a stud. He might be in camp. But there's a reason that Quincy Avery, you know, like we talked about, Deshaun Watson's private quarterback's coach, he knows Deshaun better than Deshaun knows himself. I mean, he knew him before any of us knew who Deshaun Watson was. There's a reason that – you know, I, I remember texting him when the trade went down and everybody's losing their minds. He really wasn't, like, freaking out. I don't remember what he said. and I'd be guessing. But, like, when we caught up with the story there at Go Along a few weeks ago, he said, look, in retrospect, looking at it, not even in retrospect, he said, I said this at the time, this is going to help Sean Watson. Like, he's not going to just chuck it up and hope that DeAndre Hopkins makes a play. Like, he's going to be more disciplined. And he has had statistically – an unbelievable season. I mean, if, if they're winning more games, we'd be talking him as an MVP candidate. As old Packer fans, it was always fun for me to see Favre when yeah. Sterling Sharp yeah. was done. And Favre had success without Sterling and on different teams, and which is a, just a surefire sign as a once-in-a-lifetime generation talent, but Favre was. Like, you could see Mahomes going to any team or Aaron Rodgers, to me, going to any team and be good, no matter who the receivers are. 
But I do think you can get locked in as a quarterback to those guys. They're so good that do you feel pressure to just throw it to DeAndre Hopkins every play? Or is that every call designed to go to him? That can be a little tough on your development, but any quarterback take a stud number one. You would, but, like, you're right. I mean, it was the year after they lost Sterling Sharp in 1995 when they really kind of announced themselves a contender. I mean, Robert Brooks had, like, over 1,400 yards. But their number two receiver was, like, Anthony Morgan. I think they had what was left of Mark Ingram. When did Freeman come in? Freeman, he was a rookie that year. He didn't play much. He was more of a returner. Yeah. So it was then, – and then the next He came year, in on the Super Bowl run. So that playoff run – 96 wasn't Freeman against the Patriots. That was 96. I'm that talking 95. 95. So the first of Favre's three MVPs. I mean, he's doing it with – you know, nobody – They weren't – They weren't some – no. Right. And they – they beat the Niners. They upset the Niners. Um, divisional round. They they go to Dallas. They obviously they lost to Dallas like every time they played them in the nineties. But they gave them a hell of a game, and they did it. And then, yeah, and then Antonio Freeman comes on. They they didn't have but Freeman was never star. Freeman was never a true star. He wasn't a burner by any means. It's dependable. Remember how you every catch up that Antonio Freeman made was a body catch, wasn't it? I just, uh, every time, every single time. He was, he was a good player. I'm not saying he, he was. Are we focused in on Wisconsin podcast right now? Does anybody know what we're talking about? I think that there's some Packer listeners okay. out there. Let's hope. Let's hope so. I, I feel like I'm just, I'm going through every play in it. my head. I mean, it was, like, it was a childhood. That was yeah. how we grew up. Body Freeman. That's yeah. what he is. Dominic McNabb. As whenever a guy would catch it with his chest on his pads and cradle it in, and you'd hear this big thump because McNabb would zip it. He would always yell clear, like that little when the, the medical when they do that <laughs> boom, that big thump clear. Yeah. McNabb always yelled clear. This guy body called it. Just, I got I'm just laughing because I can remember being uh in college at Syracuse, like so writing at the Daily Orange or student newspaper. I mean, we treated it like like full time job. It it was. I mean, we were there all the time, but I covered Doug Marone's first year, which was wild, you know, with Mike Williams. Quitting the team, but he didn't really quit because Doug Marone kind of kicked him off. It was it was nuts. Um, but I remember one post game, and Mike Williams was unbelievable when he was playing for that team. And Greg Paulus is the quarterback, and Williams is a legit NFL prospect. But <laughs> he was like subtly complaining about a pass that Greg Paulus threw him after the game. He's like, yeah, you know, I, I kind of had to position myself to make a body catch. It's like. <laughs> it was such a bad throw. You had to make a body catch. Like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> no, you don't ever want to see that. You don't want that body catch. No, thank You'd you. You'd prefer the ball be thrown over your head so you have to stretch for it, right, Jim? Definitely. Those guys, the body catch guys are yeah. just like, no, thank you. And usually it's going the other way if they're waiting to get to their chest. All right. Well, let's do it. Um, that was awesome. Thank you so much, Jim. NFL teams out there, hire this man because if you don't, I'll keep them, and we'll keep talking about football. This is this has been a lot of fun. Um, everybody out there, if you uh, are on our email list, that go along. If you subscribe, we're going to have a story up Friday morning on Jonathan Taylor. We didn't really touch on the Colts, but you know, here's a very good team. Chris Ballard's done an incredible job, but they don't really have like that stud, that star that you are going to need in the AFC to kind of go toe to toe with Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. So. Um, got to know Jonathan Taylor a little bit through the draft prospect, our process, and just unbelievable, unbelievably bright. I mean, here's somebody who could have gone to Harvard. Uh, he wanted to 
study space, be an astrophysicist. He was really good at football, you know. So he went to Wisconsin, studied philosophy. So we talked a lot about, like, him hitting that rookie wall and how we kind of smashed through it because in November he really wasn't getting the ball that much. And here he is. He's their best shot in the AFC. So I hope people can check that out. If you like what we're doing, we'd be unbelievably grateful if you subscribe. Seven a month, 70 a year. Thank you so much for listening. Rate us, review us, Apple, Spotify. We are the Go Long Podcast at Hamburg Brewing. Thanks so much, everyone. Mm-hmm.